The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast for Thursday, February 16th, a little bit later than normal. I'm Filling in, pinch hitting for Jeff Erickson, who was representing the site at, at the FSGA meetings. So happy to fill in for Jeff and, and very happy to have a special guest. Now, we're going to be a little underdog fantasy centric in this podcast. Heck, we talk enough NFBC and we got we got Scott, Jenstead and Zinke, Fred Zinke and James and Clay to cover. So uh, if pardon us if we get a little underdog fantasy centric, but that's what's going to happen. We're here with Chris, who is uh, who goes by, let me shake it right, B3ISBOL on Twitter. Correct, Chris? That's it. It's uh, it's baseball. Uh, and yeah, someone had already taken the E version, so I had to pivot, and I decided to go with three as my uh, my one number off. There we go. Yeah, well, there's a way you could have, you know, baseball one or the baseball, the real baseball. Fortunately, I got, I got mine pretty quick, so uh, didn't have to worry about that. All right, so I invited Chris on because, in, in full disclosure, I've been covering a little bit of underdog fantasy for Rotowire, and I got kind of hooked. And in doing some research uh, online and offline, it just it seemed clear that that Chris was into it, into the into the uh, into it, was good at it. A lot of recommendations to look at Chris's spreadsheet. We had a was it Brian Bloomfield and uh, and Bubba did a was it Bubba? Yeah, they did their draft the other night. We kind of got involved in the question or the discussion afterwards on Twitter. So I thought you know I, I could I could have Bubba or Brian on, but that's no fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just thought it'd be interesting. So welcome aboard, Chris. How long have you been playing Underdog? Uh, thank you, first of all, for being here oh, yeah. um, or invite, inviting me on. Um, yeah, this is kind of crazy. But um, so Underdog, I've been playing for the past three years. This is year three. Um, two years ago, I think I put in maybe like five teams um, just because it was shiny and new and, and fun. Right. Um, and that was just kind of a, you know, throw them out there. I love baseball and I wanted to just basically draft because that was always my you know favorite part of the season was, you know, getting prepped for the draft, executing the draft, doing all that. And then I always kind of got bogged down by the, uh, the, the good old, um, NFBC Roto kind of roster, um, churning and stuff that wasn't quite in my, in my player wheelhouse so when i saw the underdog stuff start coming out i was like okay best ball i like that be nice and quick and do them on my phone just rip them off you know 45 minutes start to finish mm. um and then last year 
they kind of really stepped up what they were offering and what they put out there. Um, and the thing that really kind of um, hooked me in was that they just give away all of their data for free. Um, so any pick that's made in their main tournament for the, throughout the year, you can you know download the, the info afterwards and kind of analyze it yourself. Um, and I was like, well, that's that's kind of fun. No one else is looking at this stuff. So why don't I start? And then that kind of just um, sort of rabbit hole, like it just kind of spiraled into, well, I can look at all these different things and I can analyze baseball from a different perspective. And um, it all kind of just came together in a nice, good, successful season um, for the most part. And then this year it's been kind of, they've turned it up another notch with no lockout and whatnot. Um, They got a big contest that's filling pretty quick. Um, they've already finished one way too early contest that right. dropped back in uh, back in December. So this has definitely been a longer, um, more marathon drafting season for me on Underdog. But definitely, um, so far, it's been a ton of fun. I think it's just going to keep growing from here on out until the season starts. Apologize if you folks are hearing a little ding in the background. Yes, I'm multitasking. I'm doing a mock draft for Peter Kreutzer and Tim McLeod for the uh, the online fantasy baseball guide. Apologize. It's... Uh, I think I, I think I turned the sound off my laptop, but uh, so yeah, little little dings. Check my Twitter; we'll be posting results for that draft. But that's that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, and so with the underdog, we'll, we'll explain a little bit about the format. Uh, you you, you kind of hinted at a couple things. It's a best ball, and it's a short lineup, which is with the forty five minute drafts. It's it's, it's just perfect. Uh, the two two of our favorite things: drafting and then doing nothing. Um, pretty much, you know, at least for me anyway. Um, so one pitch, uh, sorry, one, uh, three, three pitchers, three outfielders, three infielders, which include catcher and then one utility and then 10 reserves. And it's a points system so that the, the 10 best performers for any given week are the rack up your points. It's also a cut line like, uh, format similarly in a PC cut line where after X amount of weeks, the top what two teams from the the main tournament go on and then keep going, you know, keep going on and keep going on. So that that could add to the strategy. Do you want to look ahead at the schedule? You want to get there, et cetera, et cetera. There's there's so many elements to this. When I first started, I just I mean I did it, you know, I gotta talk on the pod about it, write about it. So I just did a draft. And I got this little spreadsheet like we all do, whatever, and just going to start track, typing in names. It's telling me who's gone. In 30 seconds a pick, I was dead. I mean, I just throw that out the window. So I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to print them out. I'm going to print out the names and cross them off. I can do that. Nope, nope, that didn't work either. Still 30 seconds a pick. Where's this guy? Where's that guy? I had to print them out, print them out by position. I'm now out to my third draft, and that throw that one away too just because even by position – so I, you know, again, I was kind of a neophyte at the, at the beginning. They're like, dude, you can like download your own rankings right into the site. And what you see on the screen are your rankings. Like, okay, that makes sense. So I assume pretty much right away you found that out, huh? I I did. I was playing around because I did the same thing where I was like, all right, I'm First of all, I'm not, I'm not Derek Cardi and I'm not Ariel Cohen and I'm not someone who does my own kind of, uh, you know, projections. I go, I'm going to just outsource that to those guys. 
So I went and downloaded, you know, the free stuff off of Fangraphs, and I just punched in the scoring system and said, yeah. okay, it spits it out. Here it goes. I rank them, you know, one to whatever. And then I put it in the system and then it got to be like around five or six. And I'm like, oh my God, I have no pitchers and there are no pitchers in sight, um, which is a spoiler alert for the scoring format. But yeah, the custom um, ranks feature that they kind of allow you to, to set within their system is very handy, um, especially if you do have access to the, to the, to the spreadsheet and to the um, player IDs, essentially. Um, you can kind of just go in and if I think the one of the fun parts of the, the format is that because the drafts are so quick and you can get a lot of them done for like a, a relatively reasonable price point right now, they have $3 drafts and $10 drafts for the, the big overall contests um, that if you, you know, are doing a multitude of drafts and you have to auto some picks, like, you know, you can set your ranks ahead of time. I know there are players out there that will play a significant volume and they will just auto draft and ranks and their strategy and they set basically positional min and max and then they right. just kind of let it run um so that's one way to go about it it's not my preferred way of approaching it because i i like i live for the drafting um but essentially yeah that is definitely uh, an option within their system which is which is really fun right so you mentioned the downloading the projections i'm kind of i mean i play roto but i'm kind of a, a, a write and talk about points in order to to really properly rank players, it's just like in rotisserie, you need to do an over-replacement. And this, I think this is what you're talking about with the pitchers. If you just rank raw points, you're not going to get pitchers. So you need to – but once you subtract out the replacement levels, pitchers suddenly, you know, float to the – not the top of the list, but, you know, it's it's a more reasonable distribution. So I think that's one of the keys is to understanding in any point system. So what we got? We got twelve teams and three pitchers active. So one quick way to do it is subtract the thirty sixth rank, the third the points in the thirty sixth pitcher from every pitcher, then the thirty sixth infielder and the thirty sixth outfielder, and just kind of let the flex come where it is. Even though on your paper it's less than zero points, but you don't care. You're just ranking at this point, and it readjusts these rankings. But even so. And you've been playing for a couple of years, so I'm curious if this is an anomaly to this year or if it's the way it's always been. Uh, I mean, outfielders, outfielders, outfielders is how most drafts go. Is that just this year or has that been the case in your in your finding over the past few years? This year is definitely the most aggressive that people are being. Um, so two years ago, caveat is that the, the scoring system and the rosters were actually slightly different. So uh. two years ago um there the data is a little bit like you can kind of look for a little bit but heavy grain of salt not really much to go off of last year um and this year the system's exactly the same um and that was one of the other nice things that um that underdog had done was after the season ended they kind of started reaching out to people and just putting it on twitter like you know feedback like we want to grow this game next year like what do you guys think and one of our kind of um consistent messages was we would really appreciate like you know if the system stayed the same next year so that we have kind of a year to analyze and back test and go you know scrape some data and do some things um and they heard that and they kept it the same kept it consistent and now we have kind of a lot of good content out there because you are doing like apples to apples comparison um and i think last year with just kind of the way that the drafting season was very compressed, it didn't really start until we were confirmed having a season. It was essentially Feb and March. Um, people started getting wise to the outfielder scarcity thing um, last year, midway through. This okay. year, 
the first big article that um, Brendan Tuma, plug at Too Much Tuma on Twitter, he's kind of underdog's main um, MLB guy and runs a lot of their kind of info and stuff as well. Um, but his first article was understanding outfield scarcity. So as soon as he puts that out there, it's like, oh shit, like it's just straight to the top. Yeah, um, yeah. And if you hop in a draft without looking at the rankings, without looking at ADP, you'll be shocked with like how quickly those first like handful of guys fly off the board and then how quickly every other tier of outfielder gets pushed up because it is very, um, very dicey once you get to a certain point. Yeah. We're, I, if you hadn't mentioned Brendan, I, I was, I was going to his, his name would have come up probably multiple times in the next, yep. uh, and you know, if you if you were unable to join me, he was next on the list. Uh, you know, he, had, he had a great article that came out today, I believe, on uh, on on stacking, which I would like to touch on because you gave him some of the data. But the you know, as far as outfielders go, I mean, if you just do the math, I mean, there's three outfielders, and there's when you include catchers, there's five catchers, that five infield positions. All right, maybe only ten catchers are in the pool, but there's still four infield positions and. Middle field is pretty strong now, right? So it's just a bigger supply for the same demand. You just you just need to get your outfielders now. I'm not you know not asking for the the name the name of the players that we can keep it pretty pretty general. But you've done enough draft. Do you have some outfield? I mean, all right, outfield is scarce. Blah blah blah. Do you have some names that you kind of you just know you like more than the market? So you just you, you kind of you're not gonna you're not losing your stuff early because you didn't get an outfielder because you know you're gonna get I'm gonna call him Anthony Santander for me, uh you know or you just know there's somebody that you know you're gonna get ahead of the market. Um, so that's a that's a great call because there is definitely this like um for context Kyle Schwarber goes like mid second round the latest and there's oftentimes where he goes on the one two turn. Um, and he's like the 10th outfielder off the board. So it's kind of crazy the way that things are pushed up. Um, in terms of me, guys that I like to fall back on, um, I'm a big George Springer guy. Um, so I love kind of the potential that he has atop that lineup. And I think that um, this year, you know, coming back healthy, he did the elbow surgery in the offseason, he really looked like the bionic man at the end of last year when he was strapped up with all his braces and, and stuff. Um, so I love his potential, especially in the scoring format. Um, one of the things that this format favors is it's almost directly correlated, um, not directly correlated, but OPS is kind of the basis for the way that scoring progresses because um, you get, you know, progressive points for single, double, triple homer, and then more for, right. you know, runs, ribbies, that kind of thing. Um, so it really rewards power. Um, and it also rewards patience because you get three points for a single and you get three points for a walk. Um, so I like the way that, that he kind of slots in in that mid-range. Um, I'm just looking at my numbers here for a second. And my highest drafted player right now, I've drafted him on 24% of my teams so far, is actually Michael Conforto um, later on okay, in drafts. He is currently going in like the 180s, 190s range. Um, and so he's kind of my like backstop at outfielder, where if I, you know, kind of have gotten squeezed out in a couple spots, um, he's the last kind of consistent guy that I like to take. Um, I feel like, you know, health question marks everywhere. Um, who knows like what he could be coming back like. But for kind of the price and the guys that are going around him, I do like that um, that shot late as, as an upside play where the fact that he um, and the Giants are kind of seen as this like platooning machine um, for, you know, righties, lefties, mix and match everything. 
there's going to be some guys in that lineup that just need to play all the time. Um, and I'm hoping that he can be someone where if he's healthy, they're just going to pencil him and Mitch Hanniger into the lineup and say, mm-hmm. you know, platooning is great, but you can't platoon nine out of nine guys. So my bet is that, um, you know, he will hopefully be healthy enough to contribute. And I just believe in the skill um, a yeah. little bit as well. So at that point in the draft, I'm looking for maybe my fourth, fifth, sixth outfielder. Um, and I like kind of having him in that in that spot where I'm not relying on him to be like an every week starter, but he can contribute some spike weeks. Um, right. And the Giants, spoiler alert for the playoff schedule, um, the Giants get to play in Colorado during the the final week of the season or the final round of the season. And that's always it's always just kind of a nice little um, boost. So he comes in hot. He gets three games in cores. Like anything can happen. There we go. I, I We were slow getting started behind the fourth wall. My uh, – I had trouble getting into the room, so I got a little flustered, and I forgot to mention at the beginning that we are sponsored by, coincidentally, Underdog Fantasy, as well as our friend at Fantrax. We'll, we'll uh, tell you a little bit more about Underdog and Fantrax later on, uh, but I uh, make sure I make sure I get that in and pretend it happened at the very beginning. Anyway, so uh, so you, you, Conforto, like you mentioned though, you're not you're not looking for him to be one of your you know set it and forget it or hope he's in there every week. You know, you, you, everybody's probably drafting two at each position that they're pretty much counting on to be in every week, and then they're they're looking for that spike that platoon guy or not platoon guy, but that home field guy or whoever that has seven games from a particular week and and just jumping you have five or six or seven to choose from jumps in. Um, what I alluded to it earlier, so we could we could talk a little bit about it because I'm kind of I'm still in my own mind not sure how to approach this, and that is the stacking. We mentioned Brendan's piece about stacking. Stacking is taking multiple players from the same team because there's X amount of events in any given night that produce runs, right? And if you can. If you have multiple players getting points from the same event, you you, you can pile up the points. Or just the team itself does really well. It's a DFS concept. Does it work in underdog? Because I have – I'm not programmed to take a player ranked further down on my list to fill out a stack. It's like, I have these players ranked so much higher. How can I draft – Trent Grisham, because I already have Manny Machado. You know, I mean, I'm not my DNA is a program. Now I'm not a GPP uh DFS player for that very for that very reason. I can't take a player hoping a better player has a bad night. I just I play cash because you, you're just hoping the players do well. But it, does streaming uh does streaming, does stacking work? Yes and no. <laughs> um so last year, my two um the two things that I was kind of the the biggest on before the season. And I was like, I'm going to, you know, lean in both of these directions. And I'm pretty confident that one of the other is going to work out. One was that you needed to stack to do well and people weren't stacking enough. And then the other one was that I think you need to take fewer pitchers and you need to take them earlier. And I really want to talk about that yeah. um, in a little bit, but sure. on the stacking part, I was stacking like crazy last year um, because I was just, you know, picking guys. I was trying not to reach. That was kind of the main thing was if stacks fall to me within, you know, the same kind of range, I'm going to keep kind of, you know, building out two, three, four, sometimes five player stacks from the same lineup. Um, 
and it worked with middling success. A lot of the time, um, what would end up happening is some of those players, you know, popped just because they were good players in good situations. And then a lot of the time, the other two or three players in the stack would kind of be dead weight. I never really um, felt that I needed like a particular stack and a particular week to get through. And part of that is because the scoring period on underdog is the one week scoring period where you accumulate points throughout the whole week. And then your best, you know, three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders and flex are the ones that make your lineup. So over that full week span where it could be five, six, seven games, the like correlation benefit that you get from stacking multiple people in the same lineup gets diluted compared to DFS. And I think DFS is, there's like a lot of crossover between people that play DFS and people that played underdog last year. Um, and I think that a lot of people brought that, you know, heavy stacking mindset in um, myself included, and it ended up being, eh, it, was, it was okay. Um, and the numbers ended up actually showing that stacking was a little bit more successful than I had anecdotally felt. Um, and the one thing that me and Brendan have been going back on was essentially we made a curve where, um, the more players that you stacked stacked being any, you know, two, three, four players paired. So if you had two J's, two Dodgers, two Yankees, you'd have six stacked players. The more players you stacked in total, kind of the, the better your teams did to a certain point. Um, and then it peaks and then it kind of comes down. My conclusion after looking at this was. You do get some benefit, but we can't really suss out was the benefit from combining the players or was the benefit from you drafted Aaron Judge and then you also drafted Stanton and Rizzo. Judge carried the team, but the whole thing looks great. So stacking, I'm putting it in the bucket of nice to have, not need to have. Um, so if there is a stack that falls to me in a reasonable range, I'll take it. Um, but I'm not kind of reaching above my projections or above ADP to go out of my way to complete a stack. I'm finding some. So I don't. I haven't gone four deep. I have been able to go three deep. If one of my primary infielders, one of my primary outfielders, are from the same team, I will look to get a third player from that team later. And I, I'm not. I don't think he'll be in the lineup every week. But that time that they were in Colorado or, or face a weak pitching staff for what for a three game, four game series, that third player could benefit. So the other thing I am doing is I'm, I'm pairing up my, 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 my rounds 11 to 20 players. Cause if they, if they happen to have a good week, they jump into my utility or they jump into my third spot. Uh, we'll call them Riley green and Javier Baez, right? Um, Tristan Casas and Adam Duvall. So I don't, I don't know if that's, you're smiling. So I guess that's not a bad strategy. That's, that's what I, I mean, that's what I've been doing for my, I don't know if it's, you know, is, is it a mini stack? I don't know if there's a technical term for it, but again, I'm not forcing, you know, Machado. And then actually Machado's a bad, I used his name already. It's tough. It's, it's tough to build a Machado stack just by the way the players fall out. Cause Jay Cronenworth is a, is, is a person. When I build my, when I start the stacks, I want an infielder and an outfielder to start it just because you're taking up two of the three spots and maybe one of your better players doesn't get into your lineup because it's a stack that gets, you know, it's, it's, I don't know if it's an efficient way of using it, but um, I just, I guess, does that sound like a, a viable approach or am I wasting a Tristan cases? I'm a Boston guy. I don't want to make it seem like a Homer pick. <laughs> no, I actually really like that approach to um, putting together mini stacks and stacks and using your late round picks to kind of leverage off of each other. Um, I found that last year, 
there's a lot of mines like at the end of drafts and a lot of guys that just bust um and adp at the beginning of the draft is pretty good projections last year did a really good job of kind of identifying who was going to be um the best players at the end of the season i think it was something like 10 of the top 14 scorers were the were the top 14 projected people at the beginning of the year so it was crazy like you know good players play good so shocking i know but at the end i do like to kind of you have all these choices um at the end of your draft in around 18 19 20 and stacking is kind of a way to narrow down what you might be looking at um and a way to you know if you're right about that you know boston week where they get to feast on you know some easy pitching and you put up the Duval cases stack and then, you know, they pop for two weeks. Like that's a good use of two late round picks in my opinion. Um, and I think it is kind of, yeah, a good way to leverage off of, you know, the earlier stuff that you've done in your draft. And if you build out a nice core of players that are going to be there all the time, you can pair those kind of upside shots late. And I think uh, a name that you already mentioned Anthony Santander last year, he was going pretty late in these drafts and the Santander, you know, uh Hayes, Mullins, Adley Rutschman was on two of the winning teams nice. um, across the big tournaments. And he was only drafted, I think, in five percent of drafts overall, but came up and just crushed. So shots like that late where you're kind of pairing up, you know, uh one of my favorite ones this year is gross, but Jonathan India at some point in the mid to late rounds, and then tack on Will Myers, tack on, you know, Jake Fraley, TJ Freudel, like Kyler Stevenson, Joy Votto, why not? Just like 18, 19, 20, you can kind of leverage those yeah. types of things and try and build some more upside in with players that maybe aren't the best, you know, actual players, but they have that spike week potential that we like to see. They they fit the Cincinnati pit ballpark, right? They've got the ballpark. Maybe they have a home series against Pittsburgh, not very good pitching. And who who else? You know, another not very good team. Like you, you get that spike week, and that may be what gets you in. Only the top two teams, two out of twelve, one out of six, gets into the big. And that I mean, let's be honest, that's why you're joining this. You're not, you know, there's like not like winning ten dollar entry. You're not like winning your league and getting back thirteen dollars. Or I mean, we're we're all hoping for the big carrot at the end. Uh, it's set up that multiple teams have a better shot, but I mean, it's an impulse buy contest, right? You're, you're watching a game. It's a blowout. And it's ah, damn it. What am I going to do for the next hour before my next college basketball games on or whatever? I know I'll, uh, I'll do a, uh, I'll do an underdog. You know, it's, you know, I got, you know, this movie's terrible. This TV show's terrible. It's an, it's an impulse buy. It's a, it's, a, you know, it's an, it's an impulse buy. And, uh, I'm sure there's people doing what's it, 150 max. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging. So you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, there's definitely people out there that are um, you know, spreading out their entries and really trying to get in, get in the volume, which is doable at a kind of reasonable price point. Um, and those people, you know, have probably started drafting back in December, January, and they'll keep kind of building their portfolio all the way through to April. Yeah. Um, but like in baseball, like anything can happen. Um, we don't get the info on kind of how many teams the person who won put in. Um, but it would be kind of cool to see if like, you know, there have been underdog tournaments for football before that have been like, you know, single entry people that have just kind of shipped a whole weekend's worth of stuff because you had kind of, you know, the one magic bullet. And that is kind of the the beauty of, of these underdog drafts is you can really like take a, you take, you want to do 10 drafts and you want to say like, you know, I'm my one and only bet this year is that um, the Braves are going to be the best offense by a mile. And you just load up on Braves. And, like that's your kind of, you know, your wedge to get in. And, you know, you're a Braves fan, like whatever you can do it. Um, and there's a yeah. hundred bucks that you get a season's worth of entertainment over. So for uh, sure, one of the beauty of underdog. No, yeah, absolutely. And you know, Braves happen to be a team where I found you can, you can sneak in Austin Riley and, 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 and get a couple of other Braves along the way. And, and you can build a pretty, a pretty decent Brave stack. You can get Vaughn Grissom a little bit later as your, as your infielder to jump up. So the Braves happen to be one of those teams and they fit the mold, good park, good team, et cetera, and don't have to face their own pitchers. You mentioned pitching. Um, you wanted to talk a little bit about pitching. I wonder if we're, I wonder if we're on the same page as you kind of, I think we kind of maybe because what you said a little bit there, as far as uh, how many pitches you want to draft, but you need three. And one of the things that pitching has that hitters really don't is they have two start weeks. You say that, but then, and I'm sure people realize at this point that, man, 32 starts, that means there's only six of the 26 weeks that even Garrett Cole is going to have two starts. So do you want to plan a strategy around what an event which may not even occur very much? Um I have a theory, you know, feeling about it, but let's hear what you want to say about it first. Um, completely on the same page. Last year, the big kind of prevalent um, overarching talking point and theory around pitching was that the way to structure your pitching staff on underdog was to deal with it as a quantity problem. Um, pitching in general, just the way that the scoring system works, you can go, if you look at the projections right now and you just run it out, 
pitchers, they don't score as much as hitters. Like if you rank them one to 200, I think that Garrett Cole is like the 50th guy off right. the board. Right. But what you need to realize is that Garrett Cole versus, you know, pitcher 72 or whatever, let's say everyone takes six or seven pitchers, huge gap. And there's only, there's a limited amount of pitchers that are actually going to put up both, you know, per game uh, innings pitched that you need for a win, a quality start. And those are some of the, you know, bonus scoring categories you can get. And then also throughout the season, because you need kind of a consistent um, scoring effort from week one to 24. And major league teams in general, we've seen this over the past, you know, four, five, six years, they're letting their best pitchers pitch and they're letting their worst pitchers pitch less and right. giving those opportunities to higher leverage guys that are fresher that have, you know, a better, you know, innings worth of work in them than sending out, you know, your fourth guy for a third time through the order. That's just the trend in major league baseball. And we can see that in underdog as well. Last year, if you look at kind of just ADP and points scored by position, there's a very clear cliff at pitcher right around round 12, 13. Pitcher scoring just drops off because that is the limited number of starters that are in you know the circle of trust, essentially, for their own team. And they have the leash to go deep in a game and they have the leash to go deep in a season. And those are the two things that you need for pitchers. So this quantity problem that people were trying to draft more pitchers to overcome the gap in scoring between pitchers and hitters was kind of a misnomer because you draft, you know, seven, eight, nine pitchers in some cases, what you're actually doing is you're limiting the number of hitters you can take. And hitters are the ones that actually score, you know, so many more points on both a uh, per season basis on a per uh, on a per week basis. You know, the two main scoring things that we're looking at here, they just blow people um, out of the water. Um, and what the kind of thought was, if you just load up on a, a quantity of pitchers, let's say you take them all late, you take eight pitchers, but you don't take any until like round eight, and then you just pepper them throughout the rest of your draft. The thought was, well, yeah, my best guys aren't as good as your best guys, but I'm going to have eight chances at a two-start week in the playoffs when it matters versus, you know, you only having six, let's say. But I went back and I looked at, you know, by range of ADP, who actually gets a chance to have a two-start week in the playoffs. And it's a straight line. Like right. it's the best pitchers get twice as many chances as the worst pitchers. And when the best pitchers get those chances, they capitalize versus the other guys who really don't score that much, um, whether or not it's a two-start week or a one-start week. So there's just kind of a limited supply of pitchers. So my number one focus this year has been kind of staying ahead of pitcher in my draft and trying to get um, a couple early on and trying to have at least five or six through the first 12, 13, 14, 15 rounds, because I really want to avoid being in the spot where I have to take two or three guys as like my last picks to fill out a roster, because I just feel like I'm personally not good enough at evaluating pitching to be able to look at the last three rounds of a draft and say, that guy is going to be, you know, this year's Nestor Cortez. Cortez was kind of the exception to the rule. Or Spencer Strider. Didn't get drafted once last year. Went nuclear. Great pick. But he wasn't around and nobody saw that coming. So there's there's a trade-off at pitcher. And I'm just kind of leaning towards, I'll take my certainty up front. Mm -hmm. And then in the weeks where it matters, I'm going to have the best shots at getting um, a determinative score from one of those pitchers. Like if you get my one, I had one team last year that made the final of like a 40 person final in one of the contests. And it was because I had 
Um, I had DeGrom, who didn't pitch for the first, you know, what, half of the year, comes back, is awesome, and then has a two-start week in the semis. And I'm like, I had, I think it was 2% of teams had him yeah. at that point. So it just shoots me right up the board. So yeah. I think that those elite pitchers and the next year of pitchers are undervalued. And you just kind of always have to be one step ahead on pitcher. That's been my number one focus. And I really think that it's kind of the number one edge that's kind of left in these drafts right now. I think it's interesting because quality start, I mean, it's a silly start, but underdog gives you five points for a quality start. So I don't, you know, you, you got to just get over the fact that it's a silly set and realize that the pitchers that you were drafting at the 12th round aren't going six innings. So they're not going to, even if they get the two starts, they're not going to get the quality start. And there's a reason why they're going so late. So I, I do agree that you want to get in, but then, all right, so I only want to draft six good pitchers, but pitchers get hurt. And now you have five good pitchers, and then you have four, you know. So it's kind of – I've been drafting seven. I want to draft six, and I'm going to do enough drafts. that one of these – I love these six pitchers. I don't care. I'm not taking Nick Pavetta late because I need a guy that might get me a quality start and, you know, and I maybe get to root for him once a year to do so when I'm watching the Red Sox or something like that. But uh, I, I agree. Now, we, we kind of mentioned with the draft that Ryan and, and Bubba did earlier this week on uh, they, they, they live streamed it. I did this like the night before they did this. So I was kind of really happy to see. I think it was Ryan that did it. Double tapping Colin Burns in the 12 hole. It's like, you know, it's like I'm if, if, if everybody knew I did this, I would be canceled from Twitter. But it turns out that's it turns out that's probably a that's probably a smart play, and then what they did, what Brian Ryan did, he admitted that maybe it was a mistake. He backed it up with Scherzer really soon. I think you can play the volume game for that third spot a little bit. I don't want to wait to the twelfth, but I think you can wait. You know, well, you have to because you took two pitchers early. You, but I think, I think, I mean, I almost, I'm almost rooting. Once I got my fourth spot and was able to draft Jordan Alvarez, I'm now rooting for the twelfth. I got the, I wanted Alvarez in a draft. I just profiled him. I was like, man, this guy's good. I knew he was good, but it's like I, I need him. And I need him an underdog. So I got like a draft. I had the fifth spot. I'm like, yes, I'm going to get Alvarez. Uh, darn it, somebody, you know, took him like fourth. So I very next draft, I got the fourth, and I got my Alvarez. Now I'm rooting for the 12 spot. I want to double tap Colin. <laughs> I want to double tap Colin Burns again. And Burns is going to strike out 600 batters this year because he's all PO'd in, he's all PO'd at Milwaukee now. <laughs> it's it's I've done it before from like the 11, uh, 14, or the 12, 15. Yeah. It's really fun. Like yeah, isn't it's it? real. It's it's fun because you just lock in those and you catch people behind you off guard too, and then you get some like uh you get some panic people that maybe reach on some players. And then, yeah, if you really want to push it, um, there've been people on Twitter that have sent me kind of lineups with only five pitchers, which is pretty bold. Um, but that would be like, you know, we have Cole Burns and you back it up with like McClanahan, Luis Castillo, and then maybe throw on Charlie Morton and just call it a day. Um, that's okay. I think that, you know, you've, all- you've chosen to allocate your pitching resources at the very top end of the market. It's basically like an auction draft. You've chosen that your pitching is going to be top end, high quality, concentrated. It gives you the freedom to draft however many hitters you want. Um, if you want to have, you know, four stacks of four guys from four teams you think are going to do well, you can go for it because, you know, you're banking on those pitcher points. And the thing that you brought up about, um, you know, what happens if they get hurt? That is definitely, I think, people's number one hurdle to why should I, well, how, 
six is six was not not enough pitchers because guys get hurt all the time. Yes, they do. If you're drafting the elite pitchers at the top, you have to draft them like you're correct and like right, they're going right, to be right. there for you throughout the year. Um, and so essentially the the gain that we saw in um, what I call marginal points added um, throughout your draft was essentially that if you drafted pitchers early, the later pitchers that you picked ended up like barely contributing to your teams. Um, so at that point, the extra cushion that it gives you in terms of like baseline floor expectation for points um, really doesn't outweigh the uh, the upside of having another hitter that can be in your lineup for a playoff week around just a good hot stretch um, where, you know, you have um, one of the, I ran actually the other day, someone, um, another shout out on Twitter, dark sheep. Um, he's a great underdog guy. Um, really sharp. Talked to him a lot. He was kind of asking about, you know, what was, um, what was like the weekly kind of scoring? Cause we hear a lot of daily scoring and season long scoring. What happened right. like weekly? So I went and looked it up. Um, and like Manny Margot had the eighth highest weekly score of anyone last year. Um, there were 10,000 something player weeks. He had 125 points in a seven day stretch. It could be anyone. Um, and it was like a playoff week too. So if you take, you know, one less guy and then you take a shot late, maybe you hit the Manny Margot like lottery late in the draft. Um, and I think that, you know, these hitters, they can really compile points when they get hot and it's just tough for some of the pitchers to catch them. Um, when it gets down to um, the nitty gritty of being able to play every day. Yeah. And this is such, it's kind of, I would say it's a cop out, but it's kind of true. If one of your good pitchers gets hurt, you know, you're not going to win anyway. That seventh guy that Herman Marquez, or I'm trying to think of some of the guys that are normally available at that point, they're not going to, they're not going to get you enough points to win anyway. So that's one of the things where you're drafting you know, many, many teams. When I give out my traditional fantasy advice, I prefer to give it, if I have only one team, this is my decision. But we don't have to think that way, or you shouldn't think that way in underdog. And it gets, it goes, it goes against my DNA, but that's <laughs> it's the, just the way it, the way one has to think. Um, you brought up uh, Springer. Now he's a little early. I mean, he's he, he, he is an injury prone guy. Um, but on the on a per game basis, he's going to be ranked higher than his air quote ADP. Um, so you kind of embrace you embrace that. But, you know, you you hope you get to the playoffs and he's healthy during the playoffs. Is that uh, is that is that a is that a viable approach? Pretty much one of the um, exactly like you said, how you know you have your maybe you enter one main event a year, and that is your like one perfect child. Like these are going to be all the players that I like need and want, and like right, this is right. I'm micromanaging this to the nth degree. Um, one of the absolute best parts about underdog is that being able to enter many times for you know a limited amount of money frees you up from kind of the burden of having to put all your hopes on one um, on one team which is which is pretty fun um so if you know you want to take byron buxton um five percent of the time or ten percent of the time feel free because you've only burned you know 
one or two teams if you're only putting in 10 or 20 teams. And if he gets hurt, that's okay. But if Byron Buxton plays and you get like the 150 game season by some miracle, um, then, you know, you've hit the 95th percent outcome for that guy who on a per game basis is a huge scorer in this format because he can put up points every single way. So the ability to enter multiple times and enter, you know, you can enter in January, you can enter in February, you can wait until we get a little more certainty through spring training. That flexibility really affords you the opportunity of taking some shots on guys that maybe in your traditional, you know, roto fantasy leagues where you're, you have a little bit fewer options. Um, it frees you up to kind of attack those guys and try and be a little bit more aggressive and take some shots on some more big boomer bust types. Yeah, so I I think I've been playing this wrong, and I, I think you probably convinced me that I am. All right, for, given that I may not be even taking this pitcher anymore, just because of the I think I may be cutting down to six pitchers. So I'm looking at a guy like Carlos Carrasco is really really good when he pitches, and then we'll call him Merrill Kelly is a guy that's available in that spot. Sneaks in some quality starts now and again, so they're ranked around the same. You know, I think all oh, I probably should take Kelly because he's healthy the whole year. I wonder if that's wrong, and it should be Carrasco because of that spike potential. So one of the it's a great comparison. Um, one of the things that I would say is that it could be right to take Kelly with one set of pitchers, and then right to take Carrasco okay, with yeah, another. Makes sense. That's so right. you okay. really need to like look at you know, do I have stability already that I can afford the upside shot? If I have the right, upside okay. shot, maybe I need the, the stability. One of the things that um, like innings pitched is, is scarce. Like it's a resource that is throughout any type of fantasy you see now. It's like there there just aren't that many guys that are going to be able to compile enough volume consistently to make a difference. Um, so if, you know, you can get the the Miles Nicholas type year from last year where he's out there every fifth day the whole year and he's just churning out starts, um, like that guy can be valuable in a way. Um, he's probably never going to spike from a skills perspective like we know exactly what miles nicholas is and his kind of variation is going to come from where is like the volume but a carrasco type the skills are there and we know that on a, like a per inning pitch per plate appearance thing he is quite efficient for um, a late round pitcher especially his question mark is what is he going to do health wise and what is he going to do you know rotation wise so if you're in a spot where you have you know five solid guys like feel free fire away on carrasco um he's also um one where he's on the mets so you have kind of this elite starting rotation scherzer verlander senga um carrasco's in there let's say you don't draft any of those other three guys first no scherzer no verlander no senga that means your team essentially is already saying that you don't think one of those three guys is going to be like a determinative league winning factor, which then kind of shrinks what can happen for the Mets. So if you think that those three guys aren't going to be the league winner, that means they probably didn't pitch that great this year or they got hurt or something else happened, which means that a chunk of innings have now opened up for Carrasco to kind of take advantage of essentially. So leverage works both ways. You can build on, you know, what you've done stacking wise and, you know, increase your exposure to a team, but with pitching, it's kind of, it can work the other way too, where if you don't take someone's early starters, but then you take the upside shot late on someone from that rotation, you can kind of be winning both ways that the shares or teams lose. And then you win from their loss and from Carrasco gaining. Interesting. I, uh, 
I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think of the team aspect of it like that. I thought about does it make sense to take multiple pitchers from the same team? Not so much stacking, but maybe they face a weak team in a given week. Uh, but good pitchers are good pitchers. You're not gonna. I don't. There's not. A, I don't think the. I don't think the roster is long enough to be able to do that sort of thing in this in this particular in this particular competition. Now you mentioned earlier that Colorado has got a favorable week during the playoffs. Again, rookie learning as I go. My my thought process as far as what do I do? Do I ten teams toward the playoffs? Was I don't know that I want if I'm drafting. 30 teams. I don't think I want all 30 to be drafted with the playoffs in mind. But I do think you might want to draft a couple knowing, you know, pur- purposely getting this team or that team. But I didn't want to do it right away because I want to know the player pool so well so I know I'm going to get Jay Cronenworth. I know I'm going to get somebody. You know, I can plan my roster around someone I really like and, and make it strong. So is it right to maybe – all right, right now I'm not worrying about playoffs, but when I have some time over the weekend or whatever, I, I start to look at the schedule and I I pick out some edges and some of my later drafts, maybe draft towards playoff in mind. Um, I think you definitely can. And if you know anyone who's listening, if you were around for the week 17 wars of this past summer in drafting best ball teams, or if you're just on Twitter in general, you would have seen like all the people kind of going absolutely nuts with trying to match up different things. Um, and you know, that was the only thing that mattered in baseball where you have kind of it's like the you know, the two week stretch. Um, it lessens that impact essentially of you know the one specific matchup being it i think that the the way to view it is more of a tiebreaker um kind of like we were talking about with stacking before you know you right. get to the end you have a couple spots why not take you know a shot on here a shot there just kind of you can have an eye towards it i wouldn't gear my whole strategy around it either i think that's probably a little bit too aggressive um for my taste um, i'm gonna put a plug in for the sheet now one of the things that we just added uh, you can find it over here on on the twitter um is we added a schedule grid for every team every week for the whole year um broken up by the weeks that they go by um for the uh for the, the scoring periods essentially so you can see you know who has the the six and seven game weeks during the playoffs during the finals and whatnot and the the colorado one is interesting because you know if we were looking at it from a one game slate perspective, those guys would be priced up because that is just the way that, you know, things work. Um, and you will see that kind of, I think, um, steadily over time as we've gone on here through January, the, the teams that are playing in Colorado during the finals week are the Cubs and the Giants. Those teams have started to slowly creep up a little bit, like not 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 a noticeable amount, but some of those players, the best players, have moved up a handful of spots. And part of the reason is when you get in the draft and you're thinking about, you know, who's going to have the the Coors week, those guys come to mind. And those two teams are relatively cheap. Like you don't have to pay too much for most of the big pieces there. So it's an easy click for a lot of people. And that's kind of started to rise a little bit. Um, I think the next ones that are going to come are the, uh, the people that get to play in Cincinnati, which are Minnesota and Pittsburgh. Um, so if you want like a back stack towards the end, you know, pick up a couple pieces there, hope to get, you know, hot September Cincinnati, essentially ball flies. Um, but it's, it's kind of an edge. Um, I think that people, uh, depending on your you know, risk tolerance, you can either go harder for it, but you also have to remember that 
rain happens and weather happens and things happen all throughout the year. And that last stretch of the year is chaos with, you know, rescheduling, doubleheaders, everything can happen. So you might see Arizona has a five game week during the finals that could get filled up easily by two, you know, postponements earlier in the year. So you just have to think about that in a lens of like, you know, there's a lot more variation here than there is in the NFL where things always go according to schedule, essentially. Um, and you just have to have that in the back of your mind when you're thinking with an eye toward only drafting for the playoffs. So my Dansby Swanson Ian Happ pair is looking pretty good right now. Uh, I, I, had to, I, I happen to be having a lot of that. Now the Giants are interesting because because of the platoon aspect that you mentioned, and it's just not a good hitting park. Mike Yastrzemski, some of these Giants are are available later, and you don't have to stack the Giants. But if you're not sure. I need another outfielder. Poke, you know, pick, you know, pick an Yastrzemski, you know, put him in course for a series. You never know. So that's, that is interesting. I do. Th- I don't think that, I don't think it's necessary to plan every team, even in football. I don't think you need to plan for the playoffs because so much can happen. Uh, but it's just, I do think when you are having so many teams, it's at least worth thinking about thinking about it before we segue over to your sheet. Uh, was there any, any other, any other underdog? I mean, we could, I bet, we, you know, we never met, we could probably go over three hours about this, I'm guessing. That is, is something one you want. That's one of the beauties of this format yeah. is that when I when I first saw it, I'm like, this is so simple. Like, what? There's just three three of each. That's it. Like, that's that's the scoring. Like, you just get you know points for this and that and the other. And then as soon as I started looking at it, I'm like, oh, this is like layers and levels, and you can go kind of as deep as you want to. Um, and you, you know, there were a bunch of us last year that came together, and we're like, we're the the sickos that are like really diving into this and specifically this. So you can come find us, um, and you know, we will entertain you at all hours. Um, just kind of theory crafting and doing all sorts of stuff. Um, the two things, yeah, we're stacking and pitching were the really big ones that I wanted to hit on. And I think that the pitching one is like my kind of MO for this year. And I think that there are people starting to adjust, but I think that the the most of the, the player kind of pool right now is still a little bit less uh, they're more conservative towards pitching than I think they they should be. And I think that you're okay to push the ball a little bit, you know, be a little more aggressive with your pitching this year. And I think that there's a, there's a good there's a chance that that'll be kind of the, the way that we look back upon the year as being the, you know, hyper fragile, fragile pitching, early pitching, the aces, like the, the mid tier guys. And that's kind of, that's kind of the story that I'm telling myself about how I want this year to go truthfully. Really? Okay. Before I, um, real quick, one more thing about just, it's more about the format for, so people know what you do is you log on, you say, I want to play. And as soon as 12 people want to play, you play. And all right, I've done a couple at one or two in the morning East Coast and maybe waited 15 minutes. But usually if you, all right, I can go to the bathroom before we start, you you may not get done. <laughs> you may start that quickly. Yeah. So it's not like NFC where you're, you know, waiting for the league to fill. They fill boom, boom, boom. Right. So it, it's it's kind of so if, if we wanted to play in the same league, we'd actually coordinate. All right, hit the go now to make sure that we both got into the same league. Um, so it's kind of fun. But I wanted to ask you about your spreadsheet. But before we do, I teased earlier, we need to tell you guys a little bit about fan tracks and a little bit about underdog. So we'll pause for a moment and we'll we'll fit that in right now. Please support our sponsors, Fantrax and Underdog. Sign up for Fantax free today and be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey 
from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Simply go to www.fantrax.com slash rotowire. Sign up for Underdog to receive a six-month subscription to Rotowire and first deposit match up to $100 with promo code RWMLB. Claim the special offer today at playunderdogfantasy.com. The fantasy baseball season is underway, and there's no better place to play than Underdog, underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy baseball. Right now, Underdog has MLB Best Ball Tournaments live, including the Dinger, which has $500,000 in total prizes. In Best Ball, all you do, all, all, all you're doing is joining a contest, draft your team, and that's it. There are no waivers, no trades, and no in-season management. Draft 20, 20 rounds of players and get the best cumulative scores in your starting lineup, which includes three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, and one flex. These points are scored each week of the regular season. Getting started is simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com, sign up with the promo code RWMLB, and not only will Underdog double your initial deposit up to $100, but you'll also get six months of Rotowire subscription for free. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code RWMLB. Draft your $100,000 Dinger team today. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Coming from another service, Fantrax makes it easy. Fantrax can import your current leagues and customize if needed. I can speak to this personally. I run three leagues on Fantrax for the custom customizability and for the ease of operation. They're all three keeper leagues. The The player pool is as, is as deep as it gets. You can have separate minor leagues on your rosters. You can exclude the minor leaguers from the draft and then have them added on afterwards. It's, 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 it's just wonderful for tracking, uh, archiving, keeper, and dynasty formats. It's A+. a, a, a plus. Uh, Fantrax offers the most in-depth player pool in the industry, including minor leaguers, as we mentioned. Uh, sign up today to win your Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Jr.? Jujuy? Fantrax.com slash Rotowire. That's Fantrax.com slash Rotowire, the home of fantasy sports. Excellent. So now that we're back for the the, the final segment, I'd like to ask Chris. He mentioned a spreadsheet, and it's it's free a free Google Doc or a Google Sheet, correct? It is. Yeah, it's uh, it was my you know labor of love last year to figure out how I could make something like you were talking about at the beginning. I need a spreadsheet, no paper, no. I'm like I need something here while I'm looking at it, so I can like easily kind of just see what's going on. Um, and I made one for myself last year, um, just to kind of have to orient myself. And then, you know, I found all, all these other guys um, out there that, you know, we were all kind of grinding the same edges in this format. And I was like, well, I'll share it. And then, you know, get some feedback and stuff. And people were, you know, very um, curious, basically, to see what 
kind of, you know, the projections say and what the rankings are. And we found that last year things were very inefficient. Like there were just guys all over the place. So I beefed it up a little bit, did some, uh, put some colors in for, you know, positions and teams and whatnot and added a couple, couple extra things for this year. Um, and then, yeah, just decided to share it for, you know, uh, if you want to use it, you can come find it on um, on my Twitter and essentially just go in and it's the sheet. Um, it's protected, so you can't kind of go in and make your own changes. But I have left it as a sheet, um, not kind of published as its own um, entity. So what that means is you can actually go in and make your own copy of it. Uh, I just go file and make a copy and it's saved to your Google account. Um, and right. you can kind of change the ranks and see things and play around with it. Um, so that was kind of one of the things that people were asking for last year is how can I see kind of the ranks that I've, how I want them or how can I filter and do that sort of thing. So I've just done the compiling and then I've kind of passed it back over and you can play around with it kind of to your, to your heart's content. But it has more than just underdog stuff, correct? It does. Um, so the, the underdog stuff was kind of the backbone and it was the, the first thing that I put in was, you know, projections converted over, let's get some ranks in there. And then I was like, yeah, that's great, but it doesn't really tell me all that much. So I was like, all right, well, you know, I have all these stats. Let's just go get those in there. So I scraped in a bunch of stuff from, from Fangraphs and Savant. And I'm like, all right, now I, now I know a little bit more about each specific player. That's, that's helpful. Um, but, you know, I need kind of some context on the, the, the volume, the projection, the innings pitched and the plate appearances. That is the fragile part of, of any projection, in my opinion. And there's a, wide range of you know outcomes for that thing and there's a lot of smart people that put in a lot of time to narrowing that down but anything can happen so i said i need to you know know a little bit more about where each player fits on each team so i scraped in the kind of roster resource um lineups rotations prospects from from fan graphs um and they kind of have a very nice way of, of laying it out makes it very easy so I just formatted it, stuck it in with the with the underdog stuff, and it does kind of now it breaks it out by uh, by division and by team. So you've got a tab for the at least, and you've got you know one through nine in the order, bench players, rotation, bullpen, anything. So you can kind of go and get a glimpse of you know what the situation looks like for each team. Um, one of the one of the things that is on my to do list is it's very very quantitative at the moment like there's a lot of numbers and there's a lot of stats and a lot of trends and things um what i'm gonna start doing in the next couple weeks as we start getting closer to the season is layering in with some of my thoughts um you know what do i think about the teams what do i think about some of the players what do i think about some of the rankings overall um and then it'll be you know underdog mostly related um because that is kind of my specific application but the goal is that you know it is a very kind of easily findable and viewable you know stats projection lineups resource as well um that if you I've always kind of been on the edge of making something yourself or wanting kind of that resource to be easily copyable or downloadable. Feel free to make a copy and, you know, play around with it and fire off any questions you have because it was honestly uh, fun to put together. And now it's um, a lot of people out there like to like to use it and kind of have it around and um, I'm, I'm all for it. So if you have any questions on that kind of stuff, feel free to just hit me up and I will um, try and help problem solve anything that uh, that comes up. So for those that aren't watching us and didn't maybe catch the Twitter address at the beginning, it's at B3ISBOL, right? And That's the one. I've seen, you, I've seen you be very, very uh, kind to people, uh, asking you questions, et cetera. A, good follow, a great follow 
all that sort of stuff. Real, do you you mentioned NFC? You mentioned do you play a lot more than DFS or you, you? I'm sorry, a lot more than underdog or is underdog your main focus? Underdog is my main focus. Um, I usually put in um, a, a couple uh, NFBC online championship teams every year, um, just with uh, that's, that's Rotowire online championship. That's the Rotowire yes, online yes, championship. The Rotowire NFBC online championship. That is, in fact, the title sponsor, um, and we have fun doing those. But the sure. uh, definitely not my uh, not my strongest form of play. And that was what part of the the, the love of the underdog format was born out for. Was I was definitely uh, I would be very prepared for the draft, and then I would come and get hit with the in season stuff, and be like, oh man, like uh, the the fab and everything was a little bit too um too much for some of my some of my co-managers so we've kind of tweaked things over the years and we still do it just for kind of the, the love of the game um and it is still you know the you know pure fun format of fantasy baseball i can definitely uh, appreciate that for sure but my um interest and just kind of love for the underdog game has grown beyond that and so i spend you know most of my time looking at it through that lens but it definitely has kind of the the benefit of you know helping the other stuff like you said about knowing the player pool um being able to dig into just because of the way that the like there's only 240 players that go in these underdog drafts so you can really get like into the weeds on the first handful of them um and really kind of know the ins and outs of that beginning section of your like long draft um window and it really does help with with the prep in my opinion I guess we should have mentioned it earlier because we we're about to wrap up, but we're talking about 30 seconds a pick, bling, bang, bang. They do have eight hours between picks. Now, it doesn't take eight hours for every pick, but, I mean, it, get, it gets frustrating. Yeah, we, we can make jokes or whatever, but if you don't, if you seem, in, if it seems intimidating, I'd like to try it. At least my first draft, try the eight-hour, try the eight-hour draft. And it at least gets you used to the format, and then when you see how things go, then maybe do a thirty second draft. But that's what they're there for. So my um, my current situation is that I live in a place where I actually can't enter the like day to day stuff because the rules have changed here with with some of the the stuff that's come up in the last year. Um, so what I actually do is when I'm, you know, traveling or out for work or something, when I'm in a spot where I can, I will enter a bunch of those slow drafts in a row and the eight hour clock, you know, is, is very helpful for kind of getting everything set up. Um, but I am currently at the tail end of all of these drafts. So I am stuck Todd in round 15 to 20, uh, in like 50 drafts and it's become hell because it's just the same like i'm staring at the same screens over and over again and that's like uh, it's just become the first five rounds were so much fun because you're like oh i got this pairing and that pairing wow like this is awesome i took acuna here last time let's throw some yordan in here yeah, stack yeah, yeah. up with bregman and now it's like oh my god conforto or jock or like duval or uh brian de la cruz like they're just at the top of the queue every time and it's become it's tough but if you're in any of those slow drafts i'm sorry if i take too long on the clock um, I'm just trying to keep up over here. Um, if you are in any of those slow drafts, hit me up and let me know uh, what your team is, and we can uh, take a laugh at them at the end when uh, when we're battling it out for you know April, May, June, July, and August. You can. I mean, you know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. If you're you know if you're looking for an out, you don't know what positions you want, but you can set up a queue and hit the next of you know as soon as I'm on, take the player. You just hope it doesn't get back to you too quick so it doesn't take the next guy if you don't want him. 
but uh, that's what I actually did. My in my last one, um, I just I, I said that because I kept forgetting that I might be up. So I just I just went I, I went like three days. Oh wait a minute, I'm in a draft, and I got players that because I, I had the I accident not so much accidentally I had the queue there, but yep. I didn't plan on them taking from the queue. Um, so it just uh, and I, I did it. Well, I did it just was it just to get the I think I did it just to get the positions. Not you know being so new, I wasn't sure how I could get the positions because I wanted to set up my sheet with with replacement etc. So I entered an eight dollar an, an eight dollar an eight hour draft just to get the position player. <laughs> I probably could have gotten that you know gotten that anyway, but whatever. I'll, one of my so one of my teams is drafted that way. So uh, that was fun. Like I said we could we could keep time. Maybe we we'll try to have you on uh, later on. Uh, maybe during the playoff week we're both battling for the for the big prize who knows but uh appreciate appreciate chris appreciate having on this is a blast um i now have to figure out how to get it online which uh hopefully (laughs) then then hear it i don't there may be some west coasters that are you know at the edge of the seat waiting for me to post this but we'll get it up folks and it's every it's evergreen right i don't think we you know i don't think any of the thing we talked about strategy is going to go away so it's an evergreen under god podcast appreciate everybody's patience with the kind of specialized topic and again chris thank you for for jumping on and taking some of your evening away thanks todd i really appreciate um yeah the time here it's been a blast um i have one more special plug to make um sure. three guys the badge bros um john warner Numi, and nez i've been on with them a handful of times uh talking about this baseball stuff they do excellent daily um underdog Good. stuff every day they're streaming at lunch um, they're going to be getting deep into the, the, the baseball soon. And I'm going to be back with them. We're going to get you on there um, because they're a ton of fun. So check them out as well. If you're looking for some underdog content. Absolutely. I uh, appreciate it. And uh, again, good night folks. And uh, I think, I think it's, I'll be back with clay on the regular Friday podcast and we'll talk a little underdog, but we'll talk a lot more than that. Thanks everybody. Have a good night. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.